Take your Bibles, if you will, find a Bible, smartphone. Sometimes we have Bibles in the pews if you're here today, but we don't. And uh, for you know the reason why. We're trying to stay safe and healthy as possible. But we're going to be in Exodus chapter 4 today, be reading the first 17 verses as uh, we continue to study and looking at Moses. Welcome. We're glad you're here, whether you are watching and listening, worshiping online, or you're here with us today. And, and uh, so we know that this is maybe a day to where we're beginning to step forward, move forward in the direction that the Lord would have us so that we might be able to be together even more so one day, be able to worship together. But you're to be commended whether you are worshiping online or whether you have come in here today. If you're watching online, we'll just let you know that just there are about 40 or 50 of us, I would guess, maybe who are here uh, today. And so you'll know we're kind of spread out and practicing social distancing. And uh, so far, so good. Everybody looks happy. Some of you got your mask on, and it looks like you've got a smile on under that mask. But uh, we're glad that you're here uh, today. We're, we're continuing our study through the, uh, it's called the escape zone. And we're continuing our study through the life of Moses as we're looking at what might be holding us back? Now, I've got to tell you, as we began this series, we began it on the Sunday after Easter, and I was uh, praying and wondering whether we would uh, begin that, wait till everybody comes back, if it's been looking forward maybe to preaching through this uh, series and going through the life of Moses with you. And, but it uh, dawned on me that regardless of what we're going through, that we need to be able to understand that the Lord can help us to be able to continue to move forward in our journey with Christ and uh, we need to talk about those things that are holding us back, uh, whether it be the sin, worldliness, worry, anxiety, that none of these things uh, the Lord can use, uh, or the devil can use, and the Lord can certainly work through and have victory over each one. So today, we're in Exodus uh, chapter 4, we're going to be reading verses 1 through 17. If you're here with us and you may want to do this at home, we're going to stand in honor of the reading of God's Word today. Now, before we read, normally we'd have a greeting time or something, but we're not doing that. And we, so, since we've not been together at all in the past eight weeks, would you just turn around and wave at somebody? Would that be okay? Don't move around, wave at those. And if you're at home, feel free to wave at us as we are. Wave at one another, and it would be okay. I will tell you this one other comment, and that is it. I'm tired of hearing myself sing, so I was glad to have others sing with me today. And uh, so it was okay. Exodus chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. This now is the word of God. Then Moses answered, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. The Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? He said, A staff. And he said, Throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses ran from it. But the Lord said to Moses, Put your hand and catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand, and he caught it, and it became a staff in his hand, that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. Again the Lord said to him, Put your hand inside your cloak. And he put his hand inside his cloak, and we took it out. Behold, his hand was leprous like snow. Then God said, Put your hand back inside your cloak. So he put his hand back inside his cloak. And when he took it out, behold, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. If they will not believe you, God said, or listen to the first sign, they may believe the latter sign. If they will not believe even these two signs, or listen to your voice, you shall take some water from the Nile and pour it on dry ground. And the water that you shall take from the Nile will become blood on the dry ground. Verse 10 reads, But Moses said to the Lord, O oh my Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you've spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seen or blind? 
Is not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. But he said, O oh Lord, please send someone else. Then the, Lord, then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is there not Aaron, your brother the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he's coming out to meet you, and when he sees you, he'll be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth and will teach you both what to do. He shall speak for you to the people, and he shall be your mouth, and you shall be as God to him. And take in your hand this staff which, with which you shall do the signs. May the Lord bless the reading of his holy word, and you may be seated. I heard a preacher tell this story. It's about a fellow that was being pursued by a state trooper. He was speeding, and the state trooper began to come after him. And the closer the state trooper came to him, the faster that he went until finally the state trooper pulled him over. And when he pulled him over, he asked him, he said, how come the closer I got to you, the faster you went? And the fellow looked at him and he said, well, he said, sometime back my wife ran off with a state trooper and I was afraid that you was bringing him back. Well, it, uh, he admitted that he had just made it up, but it was the best excuse he had heard all day and he let him go. Excuses, we have all kinds, some of those that are big and some that are small. There used to be a song that uh, children would sing that went something like, Excuses, excuses, we hear them every day, excuses, excuses, all along life's way, speaking about those excuses that we make for serving God. One of the ways to tell a difference between a reason and an excuse, and this may help you sometime if you're determining whether somebody's giving you a reason or an excuse, if they're giving you more than one reason for not doing something, it's usually an excuse. So if you're trying to give an excuse, don't give more than one. Just give, just, give just the one. At least they'll think that it's a reason because usually it's an excuse for something they didn't want to do in the very first place. Well, it's true in the life of Moses because we've been looking over the past couple of weeks and we've been looking at the time in which Moses came to the burning bush on the mountain and he gave five excuses of why he did not want to follow God in the first place. We've talked about the first two in the last couple of Sunday mornings. If you've missed those online, well, I'm sure that there's weeping and gnashing of teeth because you've missed it. Not really, but I do want to give you just a little bit of a brief review perhaps. In Exodus chapter 3, the first 12 verses, Moses gives his first excuse and it's kind of part one. And the lesson is believers must be willing to follow God's call. Moses asked, who am I that I should be the one? The lesson is believers must be willing to follow God's call. In Exodus chapter 3, part 2, verses 13 through 22, I believe, it's actually Moses gives a second excuse. And there the lesson is to know God's will, you must know more of God or you must know God better. Because Moses asked, who are you, God, or what is your name that I should be able to tell them? Well, I'm glad that you're either here today or you're listening today for today we're going to deal with excuses actually three four and five that we've already read about in so doing we will see a reflection perhaps of the excuses that sometimes we might give when the Lord asks us to do certain things or when we are confronted with whether we're going to follow God or follow him more closely or to serve him in a specific way I want you to watch for yourself in this passage and in a few moments, by the time we get to the end of this service, you will be able to realize maybe a little clearer that God has a call on your life or a plan or things that He would have you to do. And it may be today that He might even reveal a little bit more 
clear what God would have you to do today or in the near future. Now, this is the basic lesson God teaches Moses. Those whom the Lord calls, He equips for the task. When God asks you to do something, He will equip you and provide His power so you might have the courage, confidence, and the resources that you need. He'll equip you, provide you with His power so that you might have all the courage, confidence, and resources that you need. Now, we read just a few moments ago the third excuse in chapter 4 and verse 1. When Moses comes, he says, They'll not believe me or listen to me. They'll not believe that the Lord has appeared to me. This is an excuse perhaps like many might use who are simply afraid they will fail. Or maybe they're worried about future events so that we're afraid to commit to doing what God is leading us to do. We often build up maybe in our own minds maybe the possibility or we imagine the worst that might happen or what might be. So verse 1, one might be understood as the what if problems that may or might, may not happen. What if things go wrong? What if somebody's mean to me? What if I'm rejected by others? Fear of rejection might be the number one reason people are not serving God today or sharing their faith. Moses thought, God, if I tell them that you appeared to me in a burning bush, my goodness, they'll think that I'm crazy. They'll not believe me. Now, you may be hesitant to turn everything over to God and do all that He asks, because if you do, somebody might think you're a fanatic or some kind of Jesus freak. We rationalize often it's better for me to blend in than for somebody to think that I'm too religious. You and I need to know there's a world of people out there who are lost in sin, headed for eternity without God in a place called hell when all of the church people are too many or busy playing it safe. You think maybe after three or four excuses and five excuses, God's getting tired of just explaining himself to Moses. I mean, he's just told and he's explained his name. It didn't matter who Moses was. It was who God was that mattered. So God gives Moses an object lesson. Actually gives him three, and they would become object lessons for Moses to give to the Israelites, and they'll also be object lessons that will be uh, object lessons for Pharaoh and even precursors or forerunners for what would happen in the plagues to all of Egypt. But notice how God begins this object lesson. God asked, what's in your hand, Moses? Moses answered, it's just a staff. A shepherd's stick, a rod. There wasn't anything special about the staff, but God said, throw it down on the ground, Moses. And when he does, the stick becomes a snake and Moses flees. It scares him to death. Now, we can speculate Moses has been taking care of sheep in the wilderness for some 40 years. Do you think he ever came across any snake? What do you think would scare him? This might have been really a monster of a snake that appeared. Or it could be, just like maybe you or I, that if you saw a stick turn into a snake, it might scare you just a little bit. Or it could be that Moses was like a lot of people. He just hates snakes. But you've got to give, God, give Moses some credit. God asked him to pick that snake up by the tail, and he picks it up. Now, I don't know this, but it seemed like I read somewhere that you're not supposed to pick up a snake by the tail. I wasn't paying too much attention because I'm pretty sure I'm not going to pick up a snake at all. We had uh, a couple of years ago, after lots of rain in our neighborhood, we had, there's a creek bed that kind of runs through it, and some of the snakes were coming out because of all the rain into the yards of some of the neighbors in the neighborhood. 
So I don't know about in your neighborhood, but there's an online email communication that takes place. So lots of the online that took place, first of all, had to do with these are not poisonous snakes. These snakes will not hurt you. If you see a snake in your yard, please pick it up and put it back in the creek bed. Yeah, right. Well, it wasn't until somebody finally said, if there's a snake in my yard, it will be met by three people, me, Smith, and Wesson. Well, Moses did... Some people snickered here, just in case you're wondering. But Moses does teach us a lesson, and it's a particularly lesson about what to do with fear. Fear is no reason or excuse not to do God's will. In fact, Moses' fear underlies his list of excuses. You know, many of the greatest, many of the greatest preachers give testimony of how scared to death they were the first time or when they began preaching. Some of you may remember or know the name of Norman Vincent Peale or just trust me that he was known for powerful preaching with confidence in power. But he says and he admits he has a very timid nature. When he first started preaching, he was terrified preaching for the first time in a place called Walpole, Massachusetts. So frightened he was that he wired his father for help and his preacher father compassionately prepare your own sermons and just tell them, that Jesus Christ can change their lives. Love, Dad. Now, I run in sometimes some of these young preachers who seem to have no fear and ready or bold regardless of what they're preaching or what they're preaching about or who they're preaching to. I think probably they're just not right. Listen, fear is no excuse for not doing what God has asked us to do. It might almost be a prerequisite. If you have no apprehension whatsoever... You may be taking God's call too lightly. Or you're certainly among the minority of those who have considered following God closely and following the Lord's call. For when you realize who it is who calls you, the great Yahweh God, the great I Am, you should have what the Bible calls holy fear and reverence for the Lord. When Moses picked up the snake, we read a moment ago, you know the story, it became a rod again in his hand, and God said, do this, and they will believe. But God gave him a second sign, two other object lessons, actually. Moses was told to put his hand in his cloak. One translation says that he put it in his robe next to his chest, and when he brought it out, it was white with, with leprosy. God told him to do it again, and when he did, it was made whole and healthy again. This was another sign for Moses to show so that they might believe. Then he gave this third sign that he only was told about. He couldn't be there because if the first two signs did not convince the leaders of the Israelites, he was to take water from the Nile and go and pour it on dry ground and it would become and turn to blood. This was a forerunner, as you might believe, perhaps of some of the plagues that were to come. And he did all these and more. He did these for the Israelites he did these before Pharaoh and some before the Egyptians. But I find it interesting that Moses was not worried so much about what Pharaoh would say or if Pharaoh would believe, but he was more worried about what the Israelites thought. He was afraid they would not believe the Israelite leaders. And the problem may be that even for us, we see just right in front of us and God sees a long way down the road. Moses not even thinking about Pharaoh. He was thinking he wouldn't get past the Israelite leaders. 
But can I tell you, when God calls you to do something, you think about the immediate obstacles. But God thinks about the greater results. Let me ask you this question right now, for those of you who are at home and those of you... What's in your hand right now? If you have anything in your hand, what is it? Some of you might have a pen. It may be something that you may could use. If God says, what's in your hand, you'd say, well, I've got a pen in my hand. Is it something that you could use perhaps to even write letters of encouragement or to tell of God's wonderful works? Some of you, you may be sitting there, and like a lot of you do at least 50 to 75% of the time in which you're awake, that you have your smartphone in your hand right now. Or... Maybe you've got your iPad, or maybe you're even watching a computer. Well, now, what if God said, I want you to throw that down and pick it up again, and I want you to use it for me? Would you use these things any differently? You ever have a hammer in your hand? You ever have a mop or a broom in your hand? Probably not right now, although some at home may be doing, you know, they may be doing more than one thing at a time. Do you ever have perhaps a dollar bill in your hand or a checkbook? Oh, if you were to throw these down, if you were to cast them down, the Lord said, pick them up again and use them for me. Would you use these things differently? Do you have something that God can use for kingdom purposes? Because God may want to use what's in your hand. Whatever it is, it can use, be used selfishly, or it could be used without a thought. But if you're willing to cast it down and give it to God, He can use it for a much greater purposes, because God often uses the commonplace things for signs of something much greater. You might remember with Noah that it was a rainbow. There was a red scarlet thread that hung outside the window of Rahab's house in her window. There were stones that were placed in the Jordan that were used as stones of remembrance. We're reminded of the story of the boy who brought with him five loaves and two fishes. Maybe his mama had made it for him that day so he'd have something to eat. Maybe it's just enough, if we think about small loaves and small fish, maybe just enough to feed himself. But when he gave it to Jesus, he fed 5,000, not to mention the women and the children. Here for Moses, the signs were evidence of God's divine presence. He had experienced a meeting with God. And when you have a meeting with God and you give what you have to God, he can use it for a much greater purpose. In fact, he can do with it far more than we could ever ask or imagine. Do you have something that God can use for kingdom purposes? Because God may want to use what comes out of your mouth. Excuse number four is, Lord, I'm not a good speaker. I don't speak, equi- I, I don't speak eloquently, he said. Literally, he said, I'm not a man of words, meaning he has nothing to say. And he also goes on to say words that mean I am thick mouth and thick tongue. Oh, I know what that's like. I don't have anything to say, and if I did, I couldn't say it well anyway. I cannot articulate the message. My tongue would trip over my mouth. Well, what's the problem for Moses? Well, there's one that's obvious. As a matter of fact, if you have your Bibles open, and if you look at verse 1 and verse 10, Moses' excuses, you'll find some words that are repeated often. And the words like me, my, and I. God had already told him. He, God was the deliverer. He'd be providing the means, yet Moses is still was focused on his own inadequacies. But what a difference 40 years had made. Some of you, you remember the story. We've talked about it uh, just a couple of three weeks ago to where Moses decided he was going to help God's people. 40 years earlier, he was going to help God's people on his own. 
New Testament tells us when he talks, when, new, when the writer of Hebrews talks about Moses, says that he was a man mighty in word and deed. And now Moses says, I don't talk so good. He probably meant I don't speak well. And I'm not now, nor was I ever a good speaker. And God says in verse 11, Who's made the mouth and the eyes and the ears? It's me, Yahweh, Jehovah God. If I'm creator and can do the saw, the signs that you've seen, and many, many others giving you the right words to say, this is small potatoes. When God called Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 9, he said, Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. Then Jesus said, to the disciples and he also says it to you and me in Matthew chapter 10 he says you will be brought up before the governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles but when they deliver you up do not worry about how or what you should speak for it will be given to them in that hour what you should speak for it's not you who speak but the spirit of your father who speaks in you perhaps God is getting a little weary of excuses in verse 12 Exodus chapter 4 and verse 12, he says, Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. Now, the word teach is a direct way of saying, I'm going to tell you exactly what to say. In fact, it's not far from a word that would be used, I'm going to throw my voice. My words are going to be in your mouth, much like a ventriloquist might would speak through a dummy. Um, you ever... You ever like it when uh, interesting things happen in church, things that you'll remember? We had a ventriloquist come and speak to a ladies' group that we had. I had, I had seen this ventriloquist before, and the ventriloquist always uh, shares the gospel, and uh, she had the, the dummy or the doll on her, on her lap, and, of course, I'm, I'm going to call him Mickey. I'm going to change the name to protect the innocent. And she's... She's given, Mickey's given the testimony. He, Mickey's sharing the gospel, the dummy. And, uh, and as he does, now I've heard this before, and does a pretty good job, maybe gets a little more emotional tug than I'm really, you know, comfortable with. But Mickey's saying this, you can pretend that I'm Mickey, the dummy. It won't be a far stretch, I know. But so Mickey says, uh, I'm not a real boy. I'm made of wood. I can't go to heaven, and, but you can, but I'll never be able to go because I'm made of wood. And, as soon, and then he shares the gospel of how you might be able to make it. And in this ladies' conference, as soon as Mickey gives a pause, a lady stands up with tears in her eyes and she says, looks at the dummy and I says, Oh, I know, Mickey, that God has a special place for you in heaven. And although the lady, a lot of them are shaking their head, they're saying amen, and I'm off standing to the side, I'm thinking... Come on now, Mickey's just a dummy. He's made of wood. He's not real. And I'm also thinking, I sure hope they certainly have the same feelings about real people, you know, of course. Well, uh, a good ventriloquist makes the dummy so real, so much so that the people are feeling sorry for it. Well, without having to call anybody a dummy, I hope that you catch the application. You may have to become dumb without speech so that God might be able to put his words in your mouth. 
I think that's what happened to Moses, who at one time was mighty in speech. Forty years later, he had to be left with nothing to say so that God might put his words in his mouth. Well, God can use what's in your hand. God can use what he puts in your mouth. But God also, God may want to change what's in your heart. For we remember what Jesus said, for, out of the, for what's in the heart flows out of the mouth. Moses' fifth and final excuse is really no excuse at all. Yet it's the one that we give most often. He really just said, Lord, here I am. Send somebody else. The Lord, weary of excuses, became angry. And i got to tell you, when I read this, that God became angry at Moses, I want to downplay it a little bit. Maybe he just became miffed, or maybe he was just a little peeved at what, you know, it's hard for me to think of God really getting angry at Moses. But the word there in the original language is picturesque. It means his nostrils flared and he became hot. I, I'm not really sure what to make of it, except I know that God is displeased when God's people make excuses and refuse to do God's work. It's like what was written, what Jesus said to the lukewarm church in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 15, the church of Laodicea. He said, I know your deeds, that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. We picture God as we should. He is loving and patient. But without it changing the character of God at all, He is also holy and just. Just as He does not overlook sin, He's displeased with lukewarm Christians and those who claim Christ but do nothing. Were it not for the blood of Christ that was shed on Calvary, we would all be lost because of God's holiness and because His refusal to overlook sin. How thankful we are for Jesus today that He has taken care and forgiven us of all of our sin. However, British statesman Edmund Burke said this, All that is necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. God gave Moses one concession. He allowed his brother to be his spokesman. Moses would be as the prophet and Aaron as the priest. And then we come, did you notice that unusual verse there that God said to Moses, verse 16, and it says, You shall be to him as God. Well, not to make too much or to take away from the verse, but I think it simply means that as God tells Moses what to say, Moses will tell Aaron. And Aaron was a help to Moses, but he was also a hindrance. Sometimes siding with the people against Moses. On one occasion, he and his sister even challenged Moses' authority. And then we remember maybe the one that's most famous because Aaron made the golden calf while Moses was on the mountain. Moses also became a spokesman even more so than his brother. And we can, as the song says, maybe thank God for unanswered prayers, but there are times God seems to allow us what we want and what we find out later, it's not what is best because we did not do or desire what God wanted. Now, we, we've painted a somewhat different picture of Moses. For Moses is more than just humbled at God's request. He was given an excuse not to do what God had wanted. But at the age of 80, which is the time that he had this time at the burning bush, he continued to grow. He became the meekest, and the Bible tells us, the most humble man on earth. We understand a little bit about humility from Moses and certainly even more so from Jesus, but humility is not thinking a little of yourself. It's not thinking of self at all. 
And regardless of what negative light this passage has for Moses, we give him credit because what did he do? He went. He picked up his staff along with the power of God with him, and he went. Oh, what godly adventures and kingdom-building activities that took place that we're going to be able to look at in the time to come. But also we understand that if we're willing to get up and to go <laughs> under the power of God, we can be about great adventures and kingdom-building activity as well. And there may be many ways that we perhaps maybe could apply this passage and that we should apply this passage. But I'm looking at this. I believe that Jesus has an assignment for the ministers and the staff of Parkway Baptist Church. During this pandemic, your staff has been doing above and beyond the call to reach out and minister to those who are in the church and those who are in the community. We never closed. I mean, we modified sometimes and some worked from home and did different things, but they never stopped serving. And it is during this time that we want to be equipped for what the Lord has for us because ours is the call to help people discover Christ and lead out to discipleship, aid others to be able to walk in the promised land, fulfilling God's purpose as God's light. We hope God has prepared the ministers and the staff for this assignment. Now, if we only apply this to the ministers and the staff of Parkway Baptist Church, well, most of you are kind of off the hook. In fact, this is the first time that all of our staff has been together in worship. They've kind of taken turns a bit apart, but all of us, I believe, are here at least under the roof today. But if it's only applied to the minister and staff, you're kind of off the hook. In fact, you're probably ready to say, preach it, brother. Yeah, we need to make that application. But it'll also be that if we see as a church the Lord is calling us out of our comfort zone to do that which we have not done before, Jesus has an assignment for the church body. And that is to take the resources, talents, and the gift of God's people at Parkway Baptist Church so that we might be able to reach a people who are enslaved to this world and to their own sins and the people who need to know the Deliverer who is Jesus. We may have all kinds of excuses. They may not believe our message. They might not like our rep reputation. They may not, we may not say it well or eloqu eloquently. And you may ask, Lord, please send someone else. But not by our doing, but by the power of God, we conclude today we must go and follow the Lord's call on this church. Serve this community. Serve the state in which we live, this nation and the world around us for the cause of Christ. Now, if that's our application, then it hits a little bit closer to home. You and I need to be a part of what God is calling the church to do. We, the church, we hold the message that is the hope of the world. It is the only cure to what the world is experiencing today. There is no other organization, there is no other group that holds the kind of hope that we have today. I believe that to be true with all of my heart. But you know what? The application is even more personal than that. Because Jesus has an assignment for you. As if no one else is here in this room today, as if no one else is with you at your home today, Jesus has an assignment that He wants to speak to you. He wants to make it clear. He wants to clarify that today. He wants you to be able to know that whatever you have in your hand, whatever it is that, you, that comes out of your mouth, He wants to be able to change your heart so that you might be able to be equipped for the task and the assignments. 
that he has for you. The ministers and staff are asking the Lord, if this is the assignment, equip us for the task. The church is asking for the next step and the vision for the 2020s and even future plans ready to move forward according to God's plans. We leave Moses in the verses that we read taking his staff and heading back to Egypt. What step of faith will you take? Well, I'm going to be a witness at my work. Or if school ever starts back again, I'm going to be a witness at school, even if nobody else is. I'm going to be a spiritual leader in my home. And I'm going to love my children and my spouse. I'm going to be a better brother or sister or son or daughter. I'm going to invite that neighbor to church. Or I'm going to invite them to, be a, to tune in to online services. Under the power of God, I'm going to curve that addiction or that unhealthy habit so that I might honor God. I'm going to step out on faith and I'm going to make the decision that the Lord wants me to make or I'm going to give my heart and life to Him. I'm going to join the church. You know what else? We need great prayer warriors. There's nothing else that you can do. Maybe you're home or maybe you always have to be at home. Oh, we need great prayer warriors. In fact, I'm going to ask you, church members, I'm going to ask you to do this. Well, we're sanitizing all of our rooms. We're getting ready. We hope that one day we might have Sunday school and big room, small room, all of those things. So we're going to... For the, next, for, for the 30 days in June, I'm going to ask this. I'm going to ask that people might volunteer to prayer walk our campus in every room every day in June. So if you can do that, you come up here when nobody else is, we'll be sure that or let you in if you want to come to the offices in and we'll allow you to come in and be able to prayer walk outside. We don't want to just sanitize, we want to spiritize. I may have just made that word up, but I think you know where I'm going with that. Is it important that the rooms are clean? How much more important that we dedicate ourselves, Lord's house, all that we do to Him? For you to turn everything over to God today, it might be a struggle. It was not easy for Moses. This confrontation took two chapters, chapters 3 and chapter 4. But just as God can use what's in your hand and out of your mouth, He can change your heart. Ask God today to change your desires and your wishes to be in line with God's desires and God's wishes. And if you don't know Jesus today, if you've not turned your heart and life over to Him, we will encourage you to do that today. You can let us know. We're going to start this thing. We probably have allowed it. We just hadn't said it like this. We're doing virtual walk the aisle. Uh, you know, traditionally, if you want to make a decision for Christ, join the church, or you know, you have our prayer, you kind of walk the aisle, and you come to the altar. And so if you want to be able to give your heart and life to Jesus, you know you don't do that by filling out a card. You do that by asking Christ to forgive you of your sins, asking Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. But if you've made that decision, you can go to our website and you'll find a membership decision card and you can fill that out and one of our pastoral staff will get in touch with you and we'll want to have a conversation. If you want to join the church, you, you've never wanted to walk the aisle anyway, so here's your opportunity because if you want to join the church, you can fill out a card with a conversation with our staff to be sure because there is a prerequisite that you know Christ is your Savior and Lord, you can join the church. And if you'll do that today or any time this week, and we have a conversation, we'll celebrate.